Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Halloween is right around the corner, so we're hitting the archives for my conversation with the co-director of The Blair Witch Project. Eduardo Sanchez joined me in 2018 to discuss the film's 20th anniversary, how it pioneered the found footage horror subgenre, and how it became one of the most profitable low-budget indie films of all time. Ed, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Hey, thanks for having me. Who's going to be coming to the Library of Congress for an awesome panel and screening of The Blair Witch Project, which everyone knows was shot near Frederick in Burkittsville, Maryland. How did they reach out to you to, to do this in the first place? Well, uh, Julia uh, Fair Myrick, who is Dan Myrick's wife, Dan was the guy that I co-directed the movie with uh, back in 97. Uh, um, and, uh, she reached out to, you know, all the Blair Witch guys and was like, Hey, uh, my father got something with the, has something going with the library of Congress. They want to come out. You guys to come out. So I was able to come out and Mike Manella, one of the producers of the film was able to come out. Is it going to come out? And then Julia will be there. Um, she's kind of become the kind of a Blair Witch uh, history expert, um, <laughs> over the years. And, uh, so she's, uh, gonna, she's going to be there as well. That's so cool. And and you're doing the panel before the screening, which I actually think a, a lot of times they'll do it the other way around. But I actually think in this case, um, it's going to help because to hear sort of like you mentioned that Julia was sort of the quote unquote history fabricator of the, <laughs> the, the urban legend. But I do think like hearing all those stories and then watching the movie will I mean, I really think it will enhance the experience. So we're all looking forward yeah, to it. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, take me into sort of that the myth building because I really do think that I mean the movie itself is is scary as hell on its own um, in sort of the what we don't see is just as scary as what we see that sort of thing but take me into sort of the the importance of the myth building around it I know you guys it was early days of the internet you're planting stories of the legend you're handing out flyers <laughs> m- missing person flyers at Sundance and you're listing people you're, you're listing people as missing and deceased in the credits just, just sort of take me into you and Dan Meyer just sort of sitting around like oh we're gonna invent this whole world around this thing yeah well it was it was much much more than, than than dan and me i mean it was uh you know a lot of other people that kind of came in I and mean, look we, we we had this movie and it was this little movie but the, but the the whole premise of the movie was this person heather was you know obsessed with the blair witch mythology so we were like okay we're gonna have to create this mythology so you know just for the actress herself to have you know some kind of background and some you know become an expert in the Blair Witches which is we are you know which we are inventing so there was this need you know um a lot of times when you're making a movie you don't need this much backstory but for Blair Witch you really we really needed it so we kind of came up with the basic you know story uh, another guy named Ben Rock came up with a lot of stuff Greg Hale another producer came up Mike Manello Dan Myrick you know uh, Julia we all kind of pitched in and then Later on, when the when the website was being built, we kept adding to it. So uh, it was a lot of people, and it took a, a long time. But you know, it was kind of one of those things where we had to do it, so we did it. You know, what I mean, and the internet back then was the only thing we could afford to you know market ourselves on. So that's why we used the internet. Yeah, and I mean, this is like, I mean, this this sucker went viral before things were even really going viral. I mean, the internet had barely gone viral itself. Uh, you guys, yeah. were, you were on the cutting edge of that. That's wild to me. Um, I guess before we go too far in, remind our listeners sort of what that myth was, just in case the there's some is, of us that never seen the movie, which seems yeah, hard to believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the myth changes, you know, that's what I love about it is that it kind of has its own life. But basically, the, there was a township called Blair. Um, back in the, you know, 1700s and in the late 1700s, they, 
for some reason they uh they 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 accused a woman named Ellie Kedward of uh of uh, being a witch. She had done some weird things with the kids. So they took her to the middle of the woods in the middle of the really harsh winter. They tied her to a tree and they you know they thought she had frozen to death. Her body disappeared. They never they thought maybe animals had taken it. So everybody in this town eventually died. You know, there's different, you know, legends as far as, like, what exactly happened. But this, the town was cursed, and the township of Blair was basically abandoned. Like, either everybody died or left. And then the, the town of Burkittsville was built on the site of Blair. Of course, that's not true. Burkittsville is an actual town, but right. they wasn't built on the site. So, so basically, there's this thing called the Blair Witch Curse now that every 50 years or so, something strange happens around Burkittsville, and the kids, the uh, the filmmakers disappearing in 1994, was just the latest uh, in a, a series of events that have happened, like I said, every 50 or so years. No, it's it's great, and it sort of it sort of blurred those lines of reality and and fiction. It kind of like you know Texas Chainsaw did all those years ago, and a lot of those the shots of the sun kind of coming through the trees. A lot of it, it reminds me of that. So I thought you guys kind of yeah, did that absolutely. did that for a new our generation for a new generation. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. I, I love it. it's so effective into in in the early in the movie how you're how you're interviewing sort of all the the townspeople and and I want to know my favorite part is that little girl covering her mom's mouth as she's telling the story. Was that? Oh my God! Was that? Was that? You just caught that happy accident, or are you coaching the little kid to do that? No, no. I mean, look, uh, that was a complete happy accident. <laughs> Actually, we weren't. We weren't. You know, the filmmakers. You know, we as directors weren't even there. We were just. You know, the, the actors were basically going around town with cameras. Right. You know, interviewing people. You know, acting. You know, like filmmakers because they they were the ones that were doing the documentary on Blair Witch. So. Um, this woman just came out of nowhere and kind of the kid acted perfectly. And, you know, what's weird is that you mentioned that is that just last week on Saturday, we had an event here called the Blair Witch Experience, which we do every year over at uh, Seneca Creek Park is, you know, one of the places we visit. And uh, the guy who runs the, the, the tour invited um the two you know now you know they're both women you know the the little girl is now a woman you know they right. he invited both of them to to you know to 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 meet with me and i i was i was completely surprised the first time i had ever met them so as soon as i met them i was like thank you so much for doing whatever it is you did and i asked them all these questions i interviewed <laughs> them for about 15 minutes um it was just one of those things where she said that she saw the you know, Heather and the other filmmakers trying to interview people and it wasn't really working out. They weren't getting the right answers. And she was like, what are you guys doing? And she, and she, and, she, and the, Heather was like, do you know anything about the Blair Witch? And she was like, no. And she could see that Heather was disappointed. So yeah. she was, and then she, she kind of went back and was like, actually, you know, uh, let's, you know, let's talk outside now. You know, so she basically just made it up <laughs> to help Heather out. You know, yeah. she thought Heather was just some, you know, like a, you know, some, some school project or whatever. Right. And then she said, you know, a year later or whenever it was a year and a half later, she, she, she's like, you know, people are like, you're in this movie, you know, you and, and you, and you, you know, your, your baby are in this movie. And she said, it's just been, you know, she's really, you know, she just, she just loves the fact that she was in it. And she, you know, she's very happy. You know, like I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, were just, you know, just, they, they, she could get a, she got a really big kick out of this being in this film, you know? And I think, uh, 
you know, it's just one of those kind of, uh, you know, uh, just happy moments, man. Happy coincidences that a lot of them happen in this movie. Absolutely. And and just speaking more on sort of the making of it, um, I know a lot of it was, um, I know you guys hashed out, a, I can't remember how many page script, 30, 40 pages or something, and then a lot, yeah. a lot of it was you sent them out into the woods with these cameras. Um, and and did, just remind me of the specifics, but didn't you give them each sort of like a, a little bit of a clue on how to behave, but the other actors didn't know how they were going to do it? Yeah, yeah. Like we basically gave them, you know, directing notes that they couldn't show each other, you know, that they weren't allowed to, t- to, to show each other. So we, you know, Dan and I could, you know, surgically kind of implant things as they moved along. And we gave them, you know, notes like three or four times a day. Um, and then, you know, and in, in the notes, not only was like character stuff, but it was also logistical stuff of like, okay, you got to get to waypoint three by this time. And they had GPSs that had, you know, they, they, they had all this technology that to get them to, you know, to kind of um, navigate their way through the park. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, you know, it was, it was very much just kind of, uh, you know, um, they were out there by themselves most of the time they spent the night out there. Um, and we would just basically go in, out and set everything up for them. And we played the Blair Witch, like we did all the noises at night and all that stuff, um, built the rock piles outside of the, you know, the house and all that stuff. And we just managed them. It was like a 24 hour a day play that we kind of, that lasted about a week. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, and, you know, and, and, and luckily for us, you know, we cast the, the right people and they just, you know, they just dialed it up and, and just, you know, turned in these classic performances, you know, are you, are you sitting at some wireless video village or cause, cause the actors have the camera. So I was always curious, like where, where are you and Dan during all of it? We're at a lot of times we're, we're just, most of the time we're just somewhere else. And a lot of times we were like a Chi Chi's eating and stuff. Um, <laughs> Chi Chi's. I don't even think that's yeah. there in Frederick remember, anymore. <laughs> remember Chi Chi's? Was that on uh, the Golden yeah. Mile? On the Golden Mile? No, no. Oh. But yeah, there, there was one on the Golden Mile. Yeah. I think this one was the one in Rockville that we used to go to. Wow. Um, or actually, no, there was, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but it was just funny because sometimes we, you know, you know, literally, like, we would look at each other and go, you know, the, the actors are shooting our film right now. We're sitting here eating. But mm. so it was very much like, um, you know, get everything ready for them and then just eat or whatever when, when you could. But it was it was a really hectic um, schedule. And we actually did not have many times of relaxation because they were out there 24 hours a day. So we had to be ready to, you know, we had to basically be ahead of them. Um, all the time. So it was a very hectic schedule, but it was a lot of fun. And it was one of these things that, you know, we knew we were doing something special, at least production wise. Like we knew we were like, man, people do not make movies like this, you know? <laughs> so it was a, it was kind of a cool thing for us to kind of go through. And, uh, and, you know, it was very much an experiment that, that just happened to work. Absolutely. And we'll, none of us will forget, uh, well, first her shot of, you know, kind of panting, I'm so scared and stuff into the thing and apologizing to the parents. But the ending is the scary part when you see the guy standing against the wall. How important was it that you planted the seed for that early on during that, the interview scenes early in the movie where the guy's describing about the kids standing in the corner? Because the, yeah, the well, I don't think the end would work if you didn't plan it like that. Not, but yeah. Well, you know, well, you know, what's funny, man, is that it's, uh, you know, it's funny that you noticed that because that interview where, you know, he explains kind of, you know, the, what happens at the end of the movie, basically, that was not in the original Sundance cut of the movie. Wow. So, like, when people saw it at Sundance, that was not, that interview was not in there, because we, when we shot the movie, we had no idea why Mike was standing in the corner. We were just, 
we were literally like flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, we just came up with that ending like literally like mm. two days before we had to shoot it. And we were like, just stay in the corner. We'll come up with the reasons later. Right. And then throughout the, the production, you know, the editing of the movie and um, especially the building of the website, we fleshed out the story of Rustin Parr, which, is, which was a serial killer, you know, in the 40s who made the kids, you know, one kid stay in the corner while he killed the other. So we were like, man, let's, let's go back to Maryland and, and shoot some more interviews. So we got some people that we knew and we went to, I don't, we didn't go to Burkittsville, but we went somewhere, I'm not sure, somewhere, you know, that kind of looked burkittsville and uh, we shot these interviews and we inserted them in and, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody at Artists even noticed. But yeah, it was, for us, it was a very, it was, we, we thought, we realized that people were, not many people were going to make the connection, but we were like, man, if people make the connection, that's going to be a real scary point for them, you know? Oh, it's a, it's a totally, it's a really subtle plant early on that it just kind of fl- washes over us. We don't really even take it in, but it, it's sitting there subconsciously when they, when we come up on the end and it makes it much more powerful. So that's wild. It wasn't yeah. in there originally. Um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. crazy, man. You mentioned Sundance. Take me into sort of the, the reaction in the audience. And I know you guys are handing out the flyers and everything, which I think is just totally badass. But anyway, so you're at Sundance. This thing, you know, gets picked up, and lo, lo and behold, becomes one of the most profitable movies in history based on just how yeah. cheap, cheap it was to shoot and how much it ended up grossing. But t- memories of Sundance, really quick. Uh, you know, I mean, look, it, it was like it was really cold, um, and you know, uh, and it was just kind of a it was a crazy ride, but it was very much like. It was very stressful until uh, we sold the movie. And then once we sold the movie, um, even though we had a lot of work, there was a lot of press and, you know, you know, a lot of other things to do, at least the relief of like, holy crap, we sold the movie, you know, because we had never sold a movie before. So it was very much like a big thing, like, holy crap, we sold a movie at Sundance. So it was like this relief um, for us of many years of like, um, you know, just a lot of just crazy work and, and just being broke for a lot of, I mean, I'd been broke. I had been broke until I, you know, until that moment really. And I was still broke at that at Sundance. So they didn't pay <laughs> us until much later, but right. we were, we were really broke, man. Like we were like, you know, they were like cutting off our, you know, our, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, electricity and stuff. That's, that's how broke we were, you know? So, <laughs> It was just this relief of like buying it, and then just the ride of like you know being this really you know uh, you know the film was really hyped up and people were loving it and all the screens were sold out and then they added a screening and I met Roger Ebert and he shook my hand and he had like a little bit of mayonnaise on his hands and he, and I you know I was I loved it it was Roger Ebert you know it's one of my heroes you know and um, I think he gave it four it was, I think he gave it four stars. Yeah, no, he loved it. I mean, yeah. we, we, we actually, he actually interviewed us later at Cannes, you know, later in that year, and uh, he loved it. And, you know, he was just like this film geek, you know, this film fan who, and he loved the story. Like, he loved the story of us coming out of nowhere from Maryland and making this movie for nothing and, you know, just this kind of experiment. He loved it, you know. I think, uh, and I think a lot of people, it inspires people, you know, that, that, you know, just kind of everyday people can kind of go out and, make something that kind of has this kind of a, almost like a, you know, it was definitely a, kind of a worldwide thing, man. I realized that later when I went traveling to, to China and stuff, it's just people were always, people had their Blair Witch stories, you know, <laughs> and it was just kind of a crazy thing, you know? So, um, it, you know, Sundance was the, just the beginning of kind of the public, you know, barrage of morality, you know, which became, you know, like the cover of Time magazine, the cover of Newsweek, and, you know, it just being, you know, in, on every show and, you know, you know, just 
the, the, the media kind of frenzy that happened, you know, in our lives because of that movie. Um, Sundance was kind of the, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, now that we're, you know, step back, for, you know, 20,000 feet, you know, we're, we're about, you know, two decades after after this all, you know, changed your life forever. What do, do you and do you and Dan sort of take a, a deep pride in, in sort of pioneering that whole found footage movement that took off? You know, we wouldn't have the paranormal activities and VHS and wreck yeah. and all that. Well, you even did a slice of VHS, too. And I, that yeah, I, I, yeah, may, yeah. I, I may or may not have been a body double for a zombie in. But uh, oh, really? <laughs> but but uh, just, you know, talk about sort of that. Movement itself, and and do you take pride that you were kind of on the on the ground floor of it? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I I take I think both of us take pride in you know just the fact that we made something that, like you know, I said earlier, that it inspires people, um, and the fact that it kind of became this thing that that we never knew you know it was going to become, and and um, you know became the beginning of this you know this found footage you know, genre. Which, you know, I think is a, you know, there's good found footage movies and there's bad found footage movies, just like every other, you know, genre or subgenre of, of movie, you know? Right, right. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, I think it's something that, you know, we're definitely, you know, like I, like I just did an interview a couple of minutes ago and, and, uh, before this and, and the guy was asking, you know, can I ask you some Blair Witch questions? I'm like, of course you can ask me Blair Witch questions. You know, he's like, you know, you're not sick of it. I'm like, I'm never, I mean, as long as people want to talk to me about Blair Witch, you know, I, I will talk about it. I would never be sick of it. So for me, just to be in that position where 20 years later, you know, you're still interested and other people are still interested. People, you know, we're doing this thing at the Library of Congress. Like, people are still interested in this movie that we never thought, you know, anybody other than our parents and our friends were going to see. You know, that to me is like um, the thing that I'm most proud of. And, you know, and, I'm, and I feel blessed. You know, I think all of us involved feel like, you know, we definitely had a good idea. We executed it, you know, properly. But, you know, the rest of it was just kind of the planets aligning. And I think all of us realize that there is, you know, that there was definitely some kind of, you know, like I said, some kind of weird, uh, you know, aligning of the, of, the, of the universe, of all the, you know, planets and everything for us to kind of, you know, to, 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 for Blair Witch to have happened. And, you know, um, I'll be eternally grateful for that. Well, it's really, it's really refreshing. I got to say, man, that that you look at it that way. There's so many, there's so many people that you know. It's almost like they forgot where they came from or something. They only want to focus on the new stuff. Which, but you know what I mean. Like, it, I love that. Yeah, it's I, refreshing that you're great. The gratitude there. Yeah, uh, I know. I mean, I, I appreciate your interest, man. Awesome. Well, uh, just before we go, a uh, little teaser of what's next from Eduardo Sanchez. What you got? Anything else cooking? I'm doing. You know, I've got a bunch of films that are, you know, I'm an indie filmmaker, so I've always got a bunch of things kind of percolating, but I'm doing television right now. I'm going to go direct another episode of Supernatural next month, um, and then uh, an episode of uh, that I directed of Lucifer on Fox airs this month. I'm not sure what date, but some, actually airs in November. Um, but I'm doing, the, we're doing the TV thing now, man. It's, uh, it's much more lucrative. There's more work, and really enjoying myself, uh, you know, just kind of working with new crews and also just having the long form of having, you know, television, you know, in movies, you're kind of, you know, obviously you're limited to, to, you know, an hour and a half, two hours at the most. And television, you can really kind of stretch stories out and really examine, you know, characters and stuff. And I really, I'm really having a good time doing it. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Awesome. So Lucifer, Supernatural, everyone check it out. Um, Ed Sanchez, thank you've been more than generous with your time. Thank you so much for calling in. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.